Amen. Thank you, everybody's involvement. I'd like to ask Scott Bradley, Pastor Scott, to come to the platform and lead us in the Word of God this morning. Scott uh, and I have a long history, and uh, when I was at IBC as a, as a youth leader, he was in the youth group. And, uh, and then at one point, for five weeks, he was an employee. Was it only five weeks? I don't know how long it was, but it, it, it might have been longer. He was, he was an employee and worked for me, and it was a wonderful time. And, uh, and I enjoy Scotty, and it's been 13 years since I've seen him until today. And uh, he just got back from um, Germany, and he's going to be our speaker all week. And I'm really looking forward to the spiritual impact he's going to have on our, our teens this week. And it's going to be a wonderful time. Um, he was under Pastor Van's uh, tutelage at IBC. And, and then I found out this morning, even when he was six years old, he was at Appalachian Bible College as his mom and dad were going to school at the same time that Pastor Van was there. And uh, I heard you played him better in basketball then than you do now. <laughs> Share with us. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll try to stay in one place. So, hey, it's good to be here with you guys this morning. I kind of feel like that this is kind of a second home church to me, um, just in the area of the relationship that I have with your senior pastor, with Marceau, excuse me, Pastor Van, and uh, and then with uh, Pastor Everett. And I was sharing in first service; it's really hard. For me now to call him Pastor Ever, not that he's not worthy of that because he certainly is, but just knew Pastor Ev or Ev is the youth staff guy, and then boss man for 12 weeks it was, not five weeks, and uh, so at floor pools, so man, wow, that's a long time ago, so it is good to be back with you this morning, Timmy, where are you at, Timmy, it's good to see you, man, Timmy, seriously, I'm going to have I'm gonna t- have a conversation with Timmy for a minute, so you guys can do Timmy, can you believe, after what we went through in youth group, that we're now wearing suits? Standing in front of people at a church. I mean, this is incredible. So that's funny. God has a sense of humor. So, all right, everybody back in a conversation now. So I just think it's funny seeing Timmy up here today. It's like, wow. So it's good to see you, Timmy. Um, Tim, excuse me, Timothy. It's good to see you, Timothy. So um, Pastor Van asked me a couple weeks ago just to share a little bit this morning before I get into the Word of God. Um, a little bit about what my wife, Heather, and I have been doing for the last five years. I want to introduce you real quick. She can just stand. Heather is back there, hottest looking woman on the planet, right back there. So that's my wife. Next month, we'll be celebrating 10 years of um, marriage, and uh, it, it's incredible, um, just the adventure that God has given us in our marriage so far. For the last five years, we have been living in Dusseldorf, Germany, the west, mid- northwest part of the country of Deutschland, and it kind of borders on Holland or the Netherlands and Belgium. The Rhine River flows throughout the Dusseldorf area, and that might not mean anything to you, but those of you who enjoy history, some 65 years ago, Dusseldorf was a huge place, a huge target area for the British Air Force during the Second War that happened about after the word war. I cannot say those two words together, but WW2. And Dusseldorf was basically leveled during that war. And, uh, and it's been amazing to see how, that, um, how the country has recovered from that time, especially 
the city of Dusseldorf. Ladies, you would be interested to know that Dusseldorf is also the fashion capital of Germany. So check this out. For a guy that does his clothes shopping at Walmart, I really did not fit in there. Um, but that's okay. Um, but for the last five years, we have been there. We have been working with a mission organization called Youth Compass. Youth Compass is a fairly young mission organization and that it's only been around for about six or seven years. And the whole focus of Youth Compass is to reach out and to encourage and to build relationships with international middle school and high school students. Now these are families that are from all over the world and based on the type of employment that their parents, mainly really in this situation the fathers have, based on their jobs, their companies are constantly moving them around. Every two or three years these families will pick up and move to a different country, which means a different language, a different culture, a different international school. And it's kind of like these families are always in transition. Many times these students that are part of the families do not have a say in the matter. And so you can imagine how these students are feeling after all. And some of you think, oh great, just a good European vacation, get to move around, travel. And you know what, it is fun and exciting in the beginning. But after a while, as these students get used to saying goodbye and saying hello, they're used to, to moving around if you can ever get used to it. Youth Compass is there to provide um, community with them, to provide a relationship, to help them to adjust, and to provide them with a place to fit in. And for the last five years, Heather and I have been doing that here in, Ju in Germany, and we have absolutely loved it, absolutely loved it. A few weeks ago, we flew back from Germany. And we are looking to remain with Youth Compass, but beginning in September, we are going to be starting a, a new community, if you will, in the D.C. area. The county that we're going to be living in is a very, very international community. Over 200 different foreign languages are spoken. Now, this is right here in the United States of America. 30% of the people that live in this, in this county were not born in America. And so these are people that are coming and going constantly, some American families, and what's really interesting is when I think about international families, specifically American families, and we've had this discussion before with Americans over in Germany, when they find out that they're moving back to their passport country, that's what we have to say, their passport country, you would think they say, yep, we're moving back there and moving back to America, for example. And they have been living abroad for four or five years. And you think, oh man, Gus, you have to be so excited that you're moving back to America. And he'll just look at you and think, no, not really. That might be hard for you as an American to understand because we understand just how great the United States of America is. We understand it's not perfect, but we have a deep appreciation and respect for this country. Gus loves this country too. But for the last five years as Gus has been living overseas, Gus has changed. For the last five years that he's been living overseas, his home country has changed. And now for him to have to go back to his passport country it's almost like he's starting over again as a 10th or 11th grader. Starting over again with friends. Starting over again with just getting reacquainted with his passport country. And that's kind of the families that we're going to be seeing in the D.C. area. Except it's not just going to be limited to Americans. Again, imagine with, with me, if you will, one county, 200 languages being spoken. And uh, we believe that the Lord is wanting us to go there and to build relationships with these families, to help them to adjust, to communicate the love of Christ with them through a relational ministry. And so hopefully over the next few months, we'll have a chance to come back and to share with you a little bit more in depth and give you an update 
as far as how things are going there. One of the things I want to share is one of the things that's really interesting. If you would walk into a karaoke bar in Germany, especially in the Dusseldorf area, um, the, the Germans love their karaoke. I mean, who doesn't? Um, but especially the Germans, if you walk into a karaoke bar, it's really amazing what song you will hear over and over and over again. It's the song Country Roads. Now, I don't know if that makes sense to you. It did not make, it still does not make sense to me. But you walk in there on any given night, you will be guaranteed to hear five different versions of Country Roads. And what I mean by versions is they're not singing it in German. They're not singing it in Deutsch. They're singing it in English. But they have a heavy metal version of Country Roads. They have a hip-hop hip version of Country Roads. They have a techno version of Country Roads. And then they have my favorite, The Way It's Meant to Be Sung by John Denver. And if John Denver was alive today, I don't know how he would feel about hearing his song, Country Roads. So when I, whenever, I get it, whenever I hear that, I just start laughing. And in the very beginning, when I was laughing about it, they're like, what's so funny? I'm like, well, West Virginia, that, that's, that's my home. That's, that's, that's where I was born and raised and spent the first 26 years of my life. And they're like, oh, so you met John Denver. No, <laughs> I never met John Denver. So, um, so it's just, if there is ever a song that runs, rings true in my heart, that just makes me smile. Beyond it being played after a West Virginia mountaineer win. Um, it's country roads. And it is good to be standing in a church in my home state today. So um, I am so excited about this week with summer break. And there's a couple reasons why, a few reasons why. Number one, growing up in a church youth group, I, my home church is, is, is IBC, as some of you know, and as Everett has reminded us. Um, and uh, there was a similar program going on over there during those years called Teen Week. I know it's still going. I have no idea how long Teen Week has been going on there, but it's been a huge tradition, a huge part of IBC. And uh, as a teenager, I would attend, and as a teenager, I really did not have a choice to attend. Um, Even if I was working, my mom and dad made sure that I readjusted my schedule at Wise Markets, and that Wise Markets knew that I could not work at night during Teen Week. And so sometimes going to Teen Week was not necessarily my favorite thing. Sorry, Pastor Van. You were cool, though. Where is it? You were cool. Um... (laughs) But, uh, but I went, and, and, and obviously looking back now, I'm very, very thankful for that. But it wasn't until the very last year that I was eligible to attend as a young person you know, in the summer of 1990 in which things really started to click, to click with me in the area of my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Growing up in the church, thinking and believing certain things, but really just hiding behind your parents' faith and not really claiming it as yourself. But for whatever reason, that last summer, um, God just grabbed my heart. And um, I know, and I've seen over the years, the type of impact something like this week-long youth event can have on young people, but not just on young people, but also the adults who are involved in it as well. As youth staff are making sweet iced tea, or please sweet iced tea this week, please, okay, can we make sure, please? I've been saving up my money, so I'll have money this week for sweet iced tea. Um, But I'm excited to be able to come back and, and to be able to be part uh, of an event like summer break. Pastor Billy had me come and, and do it um, a few years ago, five years ago, right before Heather and I left for Germany. And it was a great, great week for me, a great time of encouragement, getting to know some young people. And so the fact that I have a chance to be part of it again this year is, is a huge deal to me and looking forward to just t- to the week. 
At the same time, I want to just remind this church as I did in the first service, if you haven't been reminded about this already, please be praying for summer break this week. Not because I'm the one that's going to be speaking, but just because of just the impact and the importance of this event. I hope that this church has claimed summer break as its very own. Not something that the youth program of this church is doing, but that that the entire church is taking this on head on and claiming it to be theirs. Please be praying for the youth staff this week. Please Please be praying for me as a speaker. Please be praying for our young people. That this will just be a great week in which they're able to just love on one another, in which they're able just to be encouraged by the Word of God and hopefully some lives and will be changed this week, not because of what I say, but because of what the Word of God is saying. And um, So please, please commit to be praying for us this week. Uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, um, it's a passage that I've heard, of, heard about a, for a long time growing up in the church. Um, it's one in which many of you are very, very familiar with. And when I read Acts chapter 2, I can't help but smile, at least parts of it anyway, just because of when you read it, just you just get this, oh, you, just, you have to just embrace it. It's just a beautiful thing to read. And sitting there and reading it, you just wish, oh man, I wish I could have been there when this was happening. Because when you read about this stuff happening, it's not necessarily something that you see happening all that much today in the church at least in the things that i have been able to experience for a while with this being said i want you to understand that i am very very thankful for the church in the united states of america i know that it is not perfect but after living in europe after living in a country in which through only three percent of the entire country attends a church not a Bible-believing church, but a church. That church could be a mosque, it could be a temple, it can be a synagogue, it could be a Baptist church, it could be a Catholic church. 3% of the entire population in Germany attends a church. Let me tell you something, being away from this country for five years, I loved the United States of America before I left, but I love it even more now. Being away from this country for the five years and all the stuff that's happening in this country, and living overseas as an American, it's just not very friendly sometimes. And so I, you have to understand how grateful I am to be at back in an American church this morning, especially the one of quality as, as Fellowship Bible Church. Acts chapter 2. Um, you can follow along with me if you want to, or maybe you might even just want to close your, close your Bibles, close your eyes, and just picture Try to get a mental picture of what is happening with a group of believers. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That blows my mind. Every day they did this. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Love that. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, the result of all this, the Lord added to their number daily to those who were being saved. If you look at the context of this passage, you understand what just happened. 
And that this is the message in which Peter spoke. And many thousands of people came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ during this time. And so they did what they knew they were supposed to do. They started having church. And, and, and I know that maybe the way that we do church today looks a lot different than this. I hope it doesn't. But let me tell you the kind of the concept, the mindset that I had growing up of what church was. This. Where you meet in a beautiful building, four walls. Everything up front is beautiful. And, and church is just something you did. We did it twice on Sundays and once on Wednesdays. And the rest of the week, you just kind of went and did your own thing. And then you do it all again on Sunday morning the following week. And I'm not necessarily saying there's anything wrong with that, okay? Um, but when I read this passage, I'm like, they, they were on to something good here. They were doing this stuff daily. Now, we have some of this stuff down pretty good. We like to eat. So eating together, okay, yep, we do church every day. As a matter of fact, I do church three times a day, if not more. But how they just enjoyed being with one another. They met and they were sincere in their relationships. I was sharing in the first service how at times there have been times in which I come to church and I know that there's going to be a person in the same building, maybe sitting across the, same, the aisle from me, in which I just cannot stand. And so the whole time I'm sitting there for an hour, hour and a half, I'm thinking about, ugh, stay away from this person. I cannot believe how the way that this person is. And before I know it, the last song is being sung and I just missed what was going on. And I know that that's, that's just how life is. That's, at least that's what we say. But it continues with what they did in the area of selling their possessions and giving to people that, that were in need. This is something that they did with sincere hearts and they were pretty stoked about it. They were happy about it. For 14 years, I've been working with young people. Whether it's been as a youth pastor or like I said, the last five years outside of the church, a parachurch organization with Youth Compass. And I have had many, many conversations over the years with young people. Those who grow up in a Christian home and those who just don't have a clue about God, about Jesus Christ. And many of them that don't have a clue, they just don't even care either. And it's been interesting to have some conversations with these teenagers over the years about their whole idea of church. What does church look like to you? And many times the, the, the conversation will, will continue with, well, it's all about being in a pretty building. Everything is, is nice and beautiful and you sing and, and, and you give some money. And then there's a person that stands up and says some things from the Bible. And then we go home and we do it again the next week. Now, that's not all the conversations I have with students. But let me tell you something. That conversation is kind compared to some of the others. I want you to understand this morning that when, as I share what's on my heart, and I I'll, I'll want to, we're going to look at another passage of Scripture here in a minute. But I don't know how things are done in this church. I'm not a regular part of this church. But let me tell you something. I do trust your leadership. I trust your leadership in the area of they know 
what the Word of God is all about. And I know that it is the desire of your leadership to lead this church in a very biblically sound manner. And I trust them with that. And I hope you do as well. But this morning, I just want to just really throw this question out to you as Fellowship Bible Church. If you were to have conversations today with your young people in this church, what would they say about this church? How would they define church? Parents of teenagers, have you ever had that simple conversation with them? Some of the teenagers are like, Scott, shut your mouth. I don't want to have that conversation. But I'm just curious, parents, have you ever thought what church was like for your student? When I read Acts chapter 2, I just have to sit back and think, man, where would students fit in this? Would this be an exciting time for them? Would they be growing? Would this be attractive to them? And when I say attractive, I'm not talking about entertainment. If church is, if there's one thing that church is, is not about, it's not about being entertained. And for many conversations I've had with students, that's what they want. They want to be entertained. They don't like the music. It's too long. You know what that is to me? Blah, blah, blah. Okay? That's, they're just being picky. But that's not what I'm talking about here. But again, when I read Acts chapter 2 and I, and I read what's going on, it's so exciting. You're just like, where is that today? And what would this look like for a student? I want to share with you just really quickly today a very simple, sim- and I mean simple, because that's all I can handle is simple stuff. Simple Four challenges, really, four things for you individually as part of this church, but also as a church together for you to think about and to use as an evaluation sheet in the area what it is that church needs to be today for students. Now, as I share this checklist with you, I don't know. There's a lot of students here this morning, a little intimidating now. I don't know if any of this is going to register with them or not. I'm going to look at you guys, okay? If any of this is going to register with you. These four things that I share, you're like, eh, Scott, no, that's not really what we need as a, young, as, as, as a student. Maybe I'm going to miss the mark with them. But after all these conversations, especially working with these third, we call them third culture kids. And ask us later if you want to know what a TCK is. We'll tell you. These international students, students, some who have been burned by the church, some that just, they've never been to a church before, and they just have no desire. But I just want to share with you, again, four things. And I want to take you, redirect you to James, I'm not James, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And, and I kind of giggle as I ask you guys to, to turn there, because 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is a verse that has been thrown at me for a long, long time, all starting when I was a teenager. As a teenager, this was just a verse that a church teen was supposed to know. I was encouraged to memorize this and to apply this to my heart. And after a while, I'm just like, I don't want to hear about this verse anymore. (laughs) And then guess what happened when I became a youth pastor? 
Guess what was one of the things that I was encouraging my students, or they're not mine, but the students, to really think about and to meditate on. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Of course, this is Paul talking to Timothy. But set an example to the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. No doubt with this verse being in the word of God, it is absolutely true 100%. And all of us need to focus on this verse, especially as a young person. But as a church this morning, you hear what Paul is challenging Tim to do, to Timothy to do, to be an example in, and he lists the things to be an example in, so that people will not look down on you. That's there. We understand that. But as a church, I just want you to, to ask yourselves this question. What type of example are you being to the students? We see here that the students are supposed to be an example in speech and life and love and faith and purity. And we think, wow, we got off easy on that because we're not youth anymore. But if we are expecting our young people to be this example, what exactly are the students seeing when they come to this church every week? What are they hearing? Does it matter to you? Four things that I want to encourage you to really think about today with young people. The responsibility that this church has to them. Number one, I believe that young people, when it comes to church, they're looking for consistency. Not consistency with how often you're having services. But they're looking for consistency in the lives of the other people that attend that church. In other words, what they're, being, what they're hearing, students need to make sure that they're seeing as well. Whether it starts with the pastor, a youth pastor, youth staff, moms, dads, deacons, elders, and those who are here. Everybody in between. In talking with students in Germany, one of the biggest turnoffs that they had about attending church and why they don't do it anymore is because there's hypocrisy. They're like, Scott, we are so tired of going to one place and them saying one thing and then the rest of the week, how we're being treated outside of church. And, and, and that's one of the things that, that I do not like whatsoever is hypocrisy, but at the same time, sometimes I'm good at that. I think all of us are. But when you think about this church, think about this. You as an adult, when it comes time to you to choose a church and understand where God wants you to be in the area of worshiping on a weekly basis, isn't consistency something that you're looking for as well? Aren't you wanting not only to hear things, but you're also wanting to see it put into practice? And let me tell you something, young people need to see that from a church. Consistency. Another thing that I think that the church really needs to provide for young people today, and that is community. And what I mean by community is they need a place to fit in. They need a place to belong. And I believe that the church is there for that reason, for that purpose. Every single one of us desires to be in a place regardless of your age, in which you feel like you belong, that you fit in. 
it is so true with a middle school and high school student. And I hope and I pray that when a student thinks about Fellowship Bible Church, that they realize that when they're here, this is like a second home to them in which they do feel like they belong. I was watching a special a few weeks ago on the gangs of L.A. And they were interviewing some gang members, described this, um, you know, disguising their voice and blacking out their face and stuff out of safety. And, and one of the things that I heard over and over again about from these gang members in the area of why they're part of this is because this is where we belong. This is where people accept us for who I am. This is my family. And you know what? They're not lying. That's really what they have received. And it's so sad to understand what's going on with gangs today. Fellowship Bible Church, I hope you as an individual and then you as a church that you are working hard to make sure that you are providing community for young people. This needs to be a place where they fit in, where they feel like they belong. Not just on a Sunday or a Wednesday, but every day of the week. The third thing is this place needs to be a place in which it's providing care. It's a simple word. What I mean by that is where they're going to be loved. Where they're going to feel like they are valued here. Now all of us, again, we want that, don't we? We want to be going to a place in which we know that a person loves us and accepts us for who we are. That we are valued. And you know what? If you go to a church and you don't see that as an adult, you know what? You can go and you can just keep looking for a church until you find one. That's not necessarily the case with students, is it? Basically, if they're going where their parents pick. And I want to ask you, does this church... Do you care for teenagers? Well, Scott, you don't understand teenagers intimidate. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking if teenagers intimidate you. I'm asking you if you love them. I'm asking you if you are working hard to provide a place in which they feel loved and that they feel valued. Well, of course we are. It's a church. That's what the church... No. That's not to be taken for granted. Back to Timothy... It says, but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love. And you know what comes with love? Grace. We need to demonstrate grace to students. You expect it to be demonstrated to you. So many times, but Scott, you have no idea what they're wearing. It's hideous. You have no idea the words that are coming out. You have no idea their appearance. It's, it's just appalling. And so automatically we're turned off by that. This is a place in which they need that love. They need to be cared for. And this was demonstrated to me when I was a junior in high school. There was an older man. He was not on youth staff. He was not on pastoral leadership. Just a guy who had been attending church for a while. A great guy. A great guy. And all of a sudden, one day, I get this phone call from him. 
He said, Scotty Bradley. And he introduces myself to him, and I think I'd met him before, remember seeing him and everything. He's like, hey, listen, I know that you're a Miami Dolphin fan, and man, let's get together. Let's go and talk about Miami Dolphin football if you want to. I'm like, okay, hang up the phone. And I'm like, Mom, Dad, who's Donald Hines? Like, oh, yeah. So they begin to tell me who Donald Hines is. And so the following Saturday, I meet this guy. I had to go to a church directory to see what this guy looked like. I'm like, okay, that's him, that's him. Memorize, memorize, memorize. I'll walk in and to, to Shoney's, because that's where he wanted to meet me, was at Shoney's. And I thought, I was telling him in early service, I'm like, I don't really care about this guy, but I get a free breakfast buffet at Shoney's, so hook me up. <laughs> and um, so we sat there, and I think we were there for maybe two hours that first time. And all Mr. Hines wanted to know was about Scott Bradley. He wanted to know my life. He wanted to know about school. Who is this guy? Not on you, staff. He's not a deacon. He's not an elder. Old enough probably to be my grandfather. And so in the 11th grade, a friendship started with this guy. And once a month, we would meet at Shoney's. We would talk about Miami Dolphin football. We would talk about church. One of the very first guys outside of Van and my parents who said, So, Scott, what do you think about church? This guy just loved on me. Now, today we might think that that's just weird, that that's just creepy. At the beginning, I thought it was weird. What does this guy want? One man, Donald Hines. All through high school, 11th grade, 12th grade, he was there. Hang out with him. He would have me over on Sunday afternoons sometimes to watch football with him. He'd get maybe through the first quarter and then he's sleeping. I'll just <laughs> watch the rest of the game. Continue when I went to university, when I went to college. And every week, every week, I would get this little card in the mail addressed to Scotty Bradley. Hey, Scotty, thinking about you this week. I'm praying for you. Hope you're doing well. Here's, here's some money. Take a pretty girl off for ice cream. Every week, $2 would be in there. Every week for four years. Well, I crammed four and a half years into... I crammed four years into four and a half years. So every week for four and a half years, $2. Scott, I haven't forgotten about you. Donald Hines is in heaven today. Can't wait to see him. Can't wait to give him a big old hug. And he was in the military, served our country. And then he, uh, I remember shaking his hand. Van, I don't know if you remember this. Those of you who know Mr. Hines. He, um, his middle finger and his pointer finger was cut off in an accident at work. And so you always knew a blind person could tell when you're shaking Donald Hines' Hines hand. And the love that he, the hugs, it just, he loved me. He loved young people. I heard when I went away for college, he didn't replace me, but he found another kid. And that was what he wanted to do. Man, that's love. He cared. You could be that to a student. Last thing I really think that we as a church need to make sure we're providing for students is to provide challenge. 
And what I mean by challenge is making sure that this is a place in which students can grow in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so many times we put that emphasis on, well, that's the responsibility of the people who stand up here. That is the responsibility of the youth pastor. And you know what? It might start there. But as part of this church, it is also your responsibility as well to make sure that you're doing what you can to make sure that this is a place in which students are not only going to see consistency, they're not only going to experience community and care, but they're going to be challenged. Whether they're being introduced to Jesus Christ for the very first time, whether they've accepted Christ, but they've just made some bonehead decisions that all of us make, and, we need, and they need grace and they need that forgiveness, or being involved with discipleship. I have a feeling, if things go the way that I want it to go this coming week, there may be some students that come to this church next week for the very first time that have never been inside of a church. If that is true, what are they going to experience? What will they walk away thinking about church? Guess who can control that? You. If you see a student next week that you've never seen before, man, you greet them. If it's a guy, gentleman, treat them like a rock, well, not a rock star, because that may not be good sometimes. <laughs> but you value them. You let them know that you know that they're here. Ladies, if it's a young lady, you let them know that you know that they are here. Scott, you don't understand. I don't like, I, I just, I, I work better with kids, little kids. Hey, that's how it is with my mom and dad. Teenagers intimidate them. I don't know if that's my fault growing up, but they're awesome with elementary age kids. Hey, I'm just asking you to love these students. Value them. Make sure you're doing what you can to make sure that this is a place in which they belong. As I think about students and church and how that hits home with me, and I think about my little nephew back there. What's up, Bradley? Bradley, in two years, is going to be in a youth group of a church. And for the next few years after that, he'll be a teenager in a church. And I often think about what is Bradley's experience going to be in a church. When it's time for him to graduate from high school and he's able to make his decisions here on out about whether or not he attends church, let alone what type of church, what is he going to experience over the next five to six years that will dictate what he ends up doing when he's able to make those decisions on his own? Fellowship, I'm praying for you that this is be something, I hope this makes sense today. And I hope that you will take this as a challenge for you individually, but also as a church. In the area of what are you creating here at Fellowship for these young people? We want them to be an example. And we'll be the first to get on them if they're wearing something that's not appropriate. Or, or we'll just roll our eyes and think, Tch. But we have this standard set for them, don't we? I wonder if you'd ask them, hey, what kind of standard do you have set for this church? I wonder what they would say. Let's pray.
God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, so much for this church. I thank you for the leadership. I thank you, God, for this building. It's so great to, to be standing in this building. I, years ago, I saw the blueprints of this building, and now to be able to actually stand in it is just amazing. And thank you, Lord, for your provision there. Lord, thank you for the people that are here that, that love you, that are seeking to love one another. And Lord, I know that your blessings are huge on this church. It's so evident. I pray that this church will continue to love you and to serve you and to love others and serve others. And just to really, priority number one is to be obedient to you. Lord, give them the strength to do so. And Lord, thank you so much for these young people as well, for their involvement this morning, for the difference that they're making this morning in this church. This week, Lord, we commit it to you. I have no idea what's going to happen, but you do. I thank you for your sovereignty. I just pray, Lord, when it's all said and done, that this will be something that brings a smile to your face and that you'll just be able to say, hey, good job. Good job. Love you, God. Amen.